Welcome to the Night Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Lance, and we're going to talk some movies today. Well, not some movies, one movie in particular, and that is Morbius, the new one from Sony and Marvel. Just dropped this weekend. I got to see it, and you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of hate, really, like a lot of negativeness about going around the internet about this film. And so I wanted to to talk about it, let you know what I thought about it and everything. We are going to get into some spoilers, so before we do that, I just want to say go see it. You know, go see it, make an opinion for yourself. Don't listen to the internet, I know that includes me, but <laughs> go see it. And, you know, I hope you enjoy it. I really, I really do. You know, I, I don't want people to not enjoy films and not enjoy movies and everything, so go check it out, and after you do, you know, come back and, and let me know what you thought about it, because I'm, I'm curious, you know, um, I talked to my friends about it, and then we went and saw, and we all kind of agreed, but before we talk about the film Morbius, let's talk about the character Morbius, the living vampire, so his real name's Michael Morbius, they, you know, went a long way on coming up with his name there, but what's really cool about his creation is he debuted in Amazing Spider-Man number 101. Now, lots of things important about this issue. One, it came out, so it came out in October 1971. This was right after the Comics Code Authority had lifted up a bunch of their rules. Uh, in February that year they did. But before this, you hadn't been able to show the the undead, the, you know, zombies, vampires, even like werewolves, all these things, if you wanted to have a Comics Code Authority approval stamp. Um, I, I've talked about it ad nauseum. You know, you can go back and listen to some older shows where I deep dive into it. Um, I may do it again one time, sometime soon, if you want to. You know, let me let me know. But it's it was one of the first big Marvel characters to come out of that, you know, the, the post-censorship era. So that's really neat. Another cool thing, Spider-Man 101, was the first Amazing Spider-Man not written by Stan Lee. Stan Lee had you know, been on this character for years and years and years, and he had left actually to go write a movie script uh, that never happened. But he handed off to Roy Thomas, and Roy Thomas, in his very first issue, came up with this, this character Morbius, and uh, him and Gil Kane created the character and I, I don't know I think that's really cool because it's really on so many levels the dawn of a new era not only are we not using comics code I mean they were still using comics code but like I said they opened up all these doors with that and then you're leaving one of the longest runs in comic history you know it, it wasn't until relatively recently when Brian Michael Bendis and uh, Mark Bagley on Ultimate Spider-Man beat Stanley um, and Ditko's run on Amazing Spider-Man. So, it's pretty cool, I think. Um, so, a lot of, a lot of things happened in the Spider-Man 101. Now, as far as Morbius himself, he's like not a vampire. Everyone, you know, I know he's the living vampire, which... Then we get into, you know, are vampires the undead, or are they living, you know, blah, 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 um, so with that, the living vampire, I think it was just kind of sensationalism, and 
you know, just really getting all the stuff out there. But he's actually like a, a pseudo vampire. You know, he has some of the powers, but it was caused by science instead of magic or supernatural stuff. You know, he still has, uh, he can fly and has the fangs and the strength and the healing and everything. But because of a blood disease, uh, this disorder that he has, he seeks to cure it, you know, and with the disease, he already has like some physical malformities and uh, uh, things. But when he goes to cure himself by infusing some vampire bat DNA and some electroshock therapy and everything, he gains all these powers. And that's when he's able to turn, you know, into the living vampire with the ears and the nose and all, all of it. Um, I think it's kind of neat because it's a spin on the Dracula, the traditional vampire, you know, the Nosferatu style, all of those. Uh, and being, I'd say grounded in reality because it's not. Uh, maybe one day we'll deep dive into monsters and folk tales, you know, being based on real diseases and stuff, but that's, I actually had a conversation about that today with, with somebody, so I don't know. Uh, but, you know, it's almost, we can relate more to, oh, this person has a disease and they just want to cure themselves and, you know, be be better, be healthier. And then it turned into a monster. Uh, that's, that, that sympathetic nature, I think, is something that's helped Morbius last. You know, he's sometimes, he started off as a villain, but as time went along, you know, he got a little more sympathetic and became like an anti-hero almost. Uh, ever full-fledged hero, but along the lines of like Venom or Punisher or <laughs> all these characters that debuted in, in Spider-Man. But he, over the years, you know, he's, like I said, been good, been bad, helped and hurt and just been, been real interesting. Uh, he's definitely second tier Spider-Man character. You know, he's not Doc Ock or Green Goblin or even like Vulture or Electro or any of the Sinister Six, I, w I would say. He's he's just not quite there. You know, I remember though when he was in the animated series, I, I loved it. He was only in a few episodes, but it was, it was really cool to, to see him in there. You know, I thought he had uh, a really nice little story and, you know, you saw him do some stuff with, he was, he was in episodes with the Punisher, with Blade, with all these other characters. Man, the Spider-Man show was really good. We're actually going back through and watching it right now. And so, it, even though he's been around relatively long time, you know, he's never really had that big moment. So, I think it's kind of cool that we got to see him in a film. You know, we got to see him, they, they gave him his own movie. I think they were kind of hoping it'd be kind of like what happened with Shang-Chi and Ant-Man and really even Iron Man. Because uh, when Iron Man came around, he wasn't like a super big popular character. And, you know, hey, that's okay. So now that we know a little bit more about Morbius, the, the character, let's talk the film, okay? Uh, that's really why you're here and what you want to know about. So the film stars Jared Leto. Uh, is directed by Daniel Espinoza, who hasn't had like a, a super 
long resume. Um, he had a movie called Easy Money, which was a Swedish film that is one of the most seen Swedish movies like of all time. He was going to direct Assassin's Creed, but ended up not. Um, he did Safe House. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, with with Ryan Reynolds and Denzel. He did Child 44. He did Life, which was maybe, but not, but maybe a prequel to Venom. You know, so even though it's on a very long list, it's pretty pretty big list. Child 44 was super overlooked. I I own it. I enjoyed it. If you haven't seen it, um, go check it out. I mean, Ridley Scott produced it. It's got Tom Hardy, Gary Oldman, uh, and Vincent Cassell, who's one of my favorite international actors, one of my favorite actresses in general. So, like I said, not a huge filmography, but definitely has some chops there. Which So, okay, you know, I'm, I'm on board. Um, stars Jared Leto is Michael Morbius. Jared Leto, The Joker, 30 Seconds to Mars, Fight Club, you know, super talented guy. Super talented. What's neat about Leto is he's very much a method actor, like gets in a character gets into their brains uh, we all heard the stories on Suicide Squad of him sending the other actors gifts that the Joker would send them but for this movie he said it was actually so close to kind of like who he is like he saw so much of himself in Michael Morbius that he didn't go full method um, so that, that was kind of neat it's also got Matt Smith as Milo Morbius which is kind of a combination of a few characters, most notably uh, Hunger, who was uh, like he was a Hydra agent, but he was one of those not just like the dummy cannon fodder Hydra agents. He was a big name and did a whole lot of stuff, uh, and he's been around since '97, showing up in, in Spider-Man number seventy-six. Uh, yeah, the Amazing Spider-Man and Spider-Man. If you're not into comics. We don't have the time to explain volumes and numbering and stuff, but just just trust me on this. And this character was also a a living vampire after a run-in with Morbius. But even before that, when he was just Hydra guy, he like t tried to take down Hammerhead and Spider-Man and just anybody who he could. And then when he became a vampire, he lived in the sewers and would just feed on anybody. You know, he's, he's a bad guy. So he either would take people from the surface or he even at one point attacked the Morlocks from X-Men. And so there's a little crossover with Spider-Man and the X-Men there uh, trying to stop him, which was kind of cool. Um, he tried to turn the Kingpin into a vampire, like all sorts of stuff. Dude, it was bad news. So it's, uh, it's cool to see him. But in the movie, Michael and Milo... I mean, his name's Lucius, but Michael calls him Milo because he's, he called everybody next to him in the orphanage Milo. So he lives in this hospital, and their roommates, you know, they both have the same blood condition, and they grow up, you know, always, always best friends, and I'm going to help you out. And we never really get a clear picture of what it is Milo does, but he has a lot of money. Like, that's, that's what we know. He actually is the guy bankrolling Michael Morbius for a lot of his stuff. So, that's an 
you know that's how it's set up and Matt Smith does an amazing job here Leto and Smith are both wonderful in this movie you know even if you don't like other parts of it you have to like them and what they did and everything I think it's kind of cool that the modern Doctor Who's you know Eccleston Eccleston was nine he was the first Marvel villain when he was um, Malekith the dark elf in Thor the Dark World and then in Doctor Who the next one was David Tennant well in Marvel the next bad guy the next one to be a bad guy was David Tennant when he was a purple man on Jessica Jones and then now Eleven Matt Smith is here as Milo and so I don't know I just thought it was kind of interesting how in their doctor order they've all come over so Pete Capaldi I mean, come on come on down I don't know who he could be but it'd be cool to uh, see him do somebody as well but like I said Matt Smith is, is really really good and it's kind of weird you know speaking of the, all these Doctor Who characters um, I feel like Eccleston was super wasted in Dark World which is sad uh, but Tennant was awesome as the Purple Man and uh, seeing them have this villainous turn you know Milo has no problem killing innocent people or anything and really as the movie goes you know it's it's played you know even though they were roommates like they're they're brothers they're, he even changes his name to Milo Morbius and he believes that him and Michael can you know they're the next step in evolution he has a very Magneto approach to this and it's compelling you know and it's I don't know it's just cool to see and then you have uh, Adria Arjana who has Martin Bancroft who isn't in the movie a whole lot um, which is unfortunate in the comics Bancroft was Morbius's fiance and she had her whole ups and downs and uh, turned into a vampire for a while and Morbius had to kill her and, but here you know she's a scientist with Morbius and um, there's definitely chemistry there and she becomes his girlfriend and they kind of they don't fridge her necessarily if you don't so fridging comes from a Green Lantern comic where just for shock value they killed Kyle Rayner's girlfriend and put her in a fridge so women in fridge is, is a whole comic book thing um, but we see at the end of the movie that she got turned into a vampire as well so hopefully Hopefully, hopefully she comes back. You had Jared Harris as Emil Nicholas, who's the doctor that looks after them, you know, when they're kids and still takes care of Milo and, and everything. Um, Al Madrigal is an FBI agent, and he's funny and hilarious and everything. Terry's Gibson is another FBI agent, and those two are kind of hunting down this killer trying to figure out, okay, well, is it Dr. Morbius, or is it a copycat, like, what's going on, and it's, it's they, they, they're not comedic relief, they're not exposition, exposition characters, you know, they don't show up and blah, 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 like, but they, they add to the film, I feel like, they are really, really neat, and the whole cast, like you said, does a good job, it doesn't feel like anybody's overacting, or phoning it in, or anything like that. Uh, they they all are really awesome, but especially Leto and Smith, I would really really liked what they did. The movie itself, 
So a lot of the complaints I've seen, they're like, oh, the special effects are horrible. Well, I didn't think so. So, I mean, some of them are kind of cheesy. I saw it with my wife who does uh, hair and makeup for movies, TVs, commercials, plays, all that stuff. So she was like, oh, I wish I would have used more practical effects. And I get it. Like, I, I prefer practical effects. But, you know, it's not always practical to do practical effects. And in this movie, they, they don't. Um, but, you know, they didn't really hurt. They use a lot of, like, smoke and mist, which I, I love because, you know, especially those old horror movies and horror stories, the room fills with mist. And that's just a thing that it does for whatever reason. So I thought it was really neat. And then anytime he's, like, in vampire mode, that echolocation and stuff kicks in. And it has, to me, had a lot of callbacks to Daredevil, both the movie with Ben Affleck and the series with Charlie Cox, so I, which I love both of those. So that was kind of neat to see, too. You know, I thought the blend of all of it was neat, and then, you know, using different techniques depending on what persona. You know, if he was Dr. Michael Morbius or just Morbius what was really neat. I, I enjoyed it. You know, I thought it was smart to do. And the... Another thing I liked about it was the stakes. You know, a lot of times it's, oh my gosh, they're trying to take over the whole world, or they're, you know, like the Venom movies where they're going to infect everybody with symbiotes, 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 whatever. Or, you know, we've had Thanos and everything. But this one is about two brothers, and yes, Milo does want to just kill whoever, but it was, it was a personal story, you know? It was nice to kind of have a step back. The last comic movie we had was Spider-Man, and that was, you know, that was all the universes are at stake, and everything's going to heck in a handbasket, so seeing this, I don't want to say softer, quieter almost story was really nice, I enjoyed, you know, because uh, the stakes are more personal, you know, you see how they affect Morbius directly, you know, what it means to him, you know, is he a monster is he a villain is his brother a monster how is he going to stop him and I, I really really enjoyed it you know i thought it was just a whole lot of fun the way that they they approached that part um the comedy you know there, there wasn't a whole lot of comedy in it in the trailers there's that scene where he's attacking the guy and he's like oh man who are you and he's like i am venom he's like, oh i'm just kidding dr michael morbius at your service he only says the I am Venom line, which I appreciated. You know, the the darkness, the darker tone, the more serious tone of the film definitely lent itself to that better, I, I felt like. You know, I I thought it handled it, um, I don't know, it just fit. So that, that was nice. The, the, like I said, the character development, everybody has at least a little bit of an arc. Uh... Martine, you know, you see her and how she falls in love and everything. Uh, it's, it's great. If I had one complaint, and this isn't something I have read that other people are saying, is it's the Michael Keaton, the usage of Michael Keaton. So again, in the trailer, there's a scene where he's in an orange jumpsuit in jail. And he's like, hey, Doc, you know, we should stay in touch. Not in the movie. You don't see Michael Keaton until the credits 
they show up and the Spider-Verse rift thing opens and he's just in a cell and everyone's like, we don't know who this guy is, we don't know how he got in a cell, so they set him free and then in the next scene, he's in his full vulture costume get up and he lands and he's talking to Michael, he's like, hey, thanks for meeting me, I'm here because of Spider-Man, I think guys like us should stick together. Now, when he's talking to him, he has his vulture mask on. And so it's obviously not Michael Keaton at that part. And the voice didn't sound like Michael Keaton to me. Uh, so I had to, I know, oh, well, maybe because he's in his mask, talking, blah, blah, blah. I, but it, it got me just enough that I was like, ugh, that's, I don't like that. And that's how the movie ended. But uh, there were some nice little things that I enjoyed in it. Like when he is coming back from his, the opening part in his big science mission, he's on this ship because he has to, well, it's not the opening part. It's still in the first act, though. He has to do his experiment in international waters, um, which, I mean, he could have done, you know, just without anybody knowing. But I'm glad they did it in international waters. So he's in there, and he injects himself with the serum. And he that's when the first time he comes, the vampire, and he kills all the the mercenaries, the crew. You know, they're, they're guns for hire, and that's who the crew was. And then he sends out a distress call when he turns back into the doctor. And the name of the ship was uh, Murnau. Well, F.W. Murnau directed Nosferatu back in 1922, 100 years ago. And in that film, you know, a ship washes up on shore with the whole crew dead and drained of blood. So it was a nice little homage that I really appreciated, especially like this being the 100-year anniversary of Nosferatu. I know this movie was supposed to come out two years ago, but hey, it worked out. Uh, when it happened, I like tapped my wife on the shoulder. I was like, ooh, ooh. And of course, she was like, what? Because normal people, my age group, don't don't know that. <laughs> but, you know, again, that vampire lore was, was really neat. And the little things that they snuck in, I, I enjoyed. Um, you know, there's a lot of talks of where this is going next. The movies, it made money. Not a whole lot. In the opening weekend, but it has made some money. So there's talks of, you know, the Midnight Suns and him teaming up or crossing paths with Blade or with the whole Vulture stuff. Maybe crossing paths with Spider-Man. Um, who, who knows? There, there's a lot, and I hope that people go see this so we can see more. Now, the question I do get, or I, in the in the last day since I've seen this movie. They're like, well, how, where does it rank in your in your Sony-verse? You know, the Sony Spider-Man Extended Universe franchise, whatever, that, that weird name that they have for it. Uh, which, you know, right now is the Sony Spider-Man Universe. That's what it's called. Which, you know, right now it's only Venom, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and Morbius. And then you have Kraven coming out, which I'm really excited about. I um, mean, like, Madam Web and possibly Sinister Six. But any, anyway... I, it's my favorite. I'm going to go ahead and say it. More than Venom, more than, definitely more than Let There Be Carnage. And I enjoyed both of those. I mean, you can go way, way back in some of the old shows and listen to what I thought about them. But this one, I just really, really enjoyed. And I, like I said, I think it was the, the, again, I hate to say softer, but the softer storytelling, the more personal story uh, and the way it all went I just 
I don't know. I really, really liked it. And I know that's not the popular opinion, but that's my opinion. And so, I, like I said, I think you should go see it and decide for yourself. Was it good? Was it bad? You can let me know in the comments below here on SoundCloud or on Facebook. Actually, any social media. Look for me everywhere as The Night Nerd. Uh, even check out my Substack, night, thenightnerd.substack.com. It's been quiet over there for a little bit, but just because I got something really cool coming away, and I'm, I'm, ex I'm excited to bring it to you. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, man, Morbius was good. If you don't think so, if you agree with me, you can also email me, nightnerd at thenightnerd.com. If you're listening to this on first run, make sure to come see me in a couple of weeks. I will be at YC3, Yellow City Comic Con, in Amarillo, Texas, April 22nd through 24th. Uh, it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of good guests there. Like Doug Jones is going to be there. Kel Mitchell is going to be there. I'm going to be there across from Doug Jones. <laughs> and so, yeah, come, come join me for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. But otherwise, that does it for me today. Again, my name is Lance. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time.